Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening. If you would, get your Bibles out, open them up to the Old Testament, to Jeremiah, the 13th chapter. Jeremiah, chapter 13, that's where we're going to be exclusively this evening. And I do really need to encourage everybody to get a Bible out because there will be a time or two this evening where you're probably going to wonder, is that really in the Bible? Did I hear Josh right? Is that actually in the Word of God? Well, you need to get your Bible out tonight, and you're going to need to see it for yourself in Jeremiah, the 13th chapter. And as you're turning there, I will say what a delight it is to see everybody this good evening as we find ourselves meeting once again at the dark and ominous hour of 6 p.m. It's just, man, it just takes a, a long time for me to get used to this dark uh, kind of period here in the early part of the, the fall months, but uh, it is very much still the Lord's day, and I am very grateful for the chance to assemble for a second time and to have this opportunity to study from the Word of God together. Uh, what if this evening, as I was getting up to preach, what if I brought up to the podium a, a giant planter, a, a big huge pot, and it was full of dirt and soil and mud, and I told you that I had prepared this pot months ago, and that this pot had been sitting outside in the elements and the sun and the rain pouring down on it, and then imagine that right here as I'm standing up here before you, I then began to dig down into that dirt and into that soil and I then pull out a pair of Fruit of the Loom boxers. And these boxers are moldy and rotten and dirty and smelly and I then say to you, I'm going to use these dirty boxers to teach the Word of God. What would your reaction be to that? Well, I'm going to guess that our third and fourth and fifth grade boys, they would think that that's an absolute riot. I mean, come on, the preacher's up there talking about dirty underwear. I can't believe he's talking about that. But for the rest of us, the rest of us, we'd probably say, I just I don't know about that. I just don't really think that's appropriate. And I mean, at the very least, that's just really, really odd. Now, it's not that we don't like object lessons or that we don't like illustrations or that we don't even like parables. In fact, we just studied a couple of Jesus' parables this morning. But an object lesson using a soiled pair of boxers? Eh, Josh, you just can't be preaching sermons like that. You can't be preaching about dirty underwear. Well, read with me, if you will, in Jeremiah 13 and in verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Go and buy a linen loincloth and put it around your waist and do not dip it in water. You know, there are several object lessons in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house and he watches the potter mold the clay in chapter 18. Jeremiah sees some baskets, some that are filled with good figs and some that are filled with bad figs in chapter 24. In chapter 27, Jeremiah is instructed to put on a big wooden yoke and then walk around with that and wear that in the presence of the king. But in Jeremiah the 13th chapter, the prophet is called to give one of the strangest lessons about a loincloth, or let's just, let's just call it what it is, a pair of underwear. And while we might recoil at that, or we might think that, you know, that's just a little bit too graphic for our sensibilities. I can assure you this evening that that is an image that is full of meaning and it packs a real punch. Because in a very unique and powerful way, 
Jeremiah 13 helps us to understand what it means to have a relationship with God and what it means to not have a relationship with God. In fact, the power of this little parable, a living parable if you want to call it that, is in its simplicity. Which is why I actually chose to pair it today with the parables that we talked about this morning from Matthew 13, which in and of themselves were very, very simple. I want us to focus on this living parable in Jeremiah the 13th chapter. Let's just, let's just read it together. In Jeremiah 13, beginning in verse 1 again, Thus says the Lord to me, Go and buy a linen loincloth and put it around your waist, and do not dip it in water. So I bought a loincloth according to the word of the Lord, and I put it around my waist. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the loincloth that you have bought around your waist and arise, and go to the Euphrates and hide it there in the cleft of the rock. So I went, and I hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord commanded me. And after many days the Lord said to me, Arise, go to the Euphrates, and take from there the loincloth that I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates again and dug and I took the loincloth from the place where I had hidden it. And behold, the loincloth was spoiled. It was good for nothing. Then the word of the Lord came to me, verse 9, Thus says the Lord, Even so will I spoil the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who stubbornly follow their own heart and have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them, shall be like this loincloth which is good for nothing. Verse 11, For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I make the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, and a glory but they would not listen. Now, some people have tried to say that this very unique and very one-of-a-kind encounter, that it was just a vision. But I want to suggest to you that there's really nothing in the text to suggest to us that this is visionary. This seems to be, like all of the other object lessons of Jeremiah, it seems to be very real and very literal. Jeremiah really went and did these things. In some ways, maybe what it represents is a desperation on God's part. Jeremiah 13 comes at a time in the history of Judah when there was rampant idolatry. If you'll remember the lesson from last Sunday morning where we studied from Habakkuk, Jeremiah and Habakkuk were actually contemporaries in Judah. They both witnessed God's people and their terrible decline into idolatry and immorality. And this is, more specifically, this is during the reign of King Jehoiakim. Now sometimes it's hard to keep track of all the kings of Israel and Judah, especially all the ones that have these J names, but this is the king, you'll remember, who received a personal message from God delivered to him on a scroll, and he took out a penknife and cut the word of God and literally threw it into the fire. It's that guy. And so that's what the leadership in Judah was like at that time. So you can just imagine how depraved and how off course the rest of the people were at that time. And so perhaps God is resorting to this dramatic illustration in order to get His people's attention, to help them to recognize who they ought to be and just how far they had fallen. And so in verse 1, 
God tells Jeremiah, I want you to go and I want you to buy a linen loincloth. Now, the term that is used there in verse 1 for loincloth, it's actually a very broad term. And depending upon your translation, it may say belt or waistband or sash or shorts. But I really don't think any of those terms accurately convey what we're talking about here. I think the ESV has it right. This is a loincloth, which means it's underwear. It is. It's underwear. And I think that's made all the more clear in verse 11 when God explains the meaning of this illustration when He says, as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man. This is something that goes right next to a man. It is something that is in close association with him. The fact that it was linen would give it a priestly connotation since the priest wore linen garments. But even more than that, the key here is that this is its an undergarment. In fact, the word that I'm really looking for here is the term that sometimes you hear when you go into a department store and you ask where's the women's clothing and you ask where's the women's undergarments at and they'll say it's over here in the intimate section. The intimate section. And that's exactly the idea that God is going for here. He tells Jeremiah to put on this loincloth something that is intimate. Something that is closely connected. And he tells Jeremiah, furthermore, don't just put it on. He also says, secondly, don't wash it. That's the meaning there of don't let it come near water. Now, that's maybe the part that catches our attention. At least it's the part that catches my attention the most. Because whenever you wear something day after day after day, what happens to it? Well, it gets dirty. It needs to be washed. But Jeremiah never washes it. That was the Lord's instructions. And what that symbolizes is that symbolizes how the people of God had been stained by sin. That's really what this is all about. We're not just going through this exercise for nothing. There's meaning behind these symbols. And so Jeremiah, verse 2, he does what the Lord told him to do. And then there is this strange instruction in verse 4 about going to the Euphrates. You mean go to the Euphrates River? Did Jeremiah really do that? Do you know how far it is from Jerusalem to the Euphrates River? Depending on exactly which direction you go, we're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to 800 miles. That's a long distance. That's a long distance if you were driving or even flying, but that's especially a long distance if you're walking. And it's because of that that there's actually been a lot of speculation that, well, maybe Jeremiah didn't actually go to the Euphrates. Some have suggested that maybe the word Euphrates there, maybe it kind of got lost in translation and maybe the real rendering ought to be a different name. Something that sounds like Euphrates, but maybe it's meant to be a, a close and local spring someplace more nearby because, I mean, come on, if he really did go to the Euphrates River, I mean, Jeremiah would have had to have been gone for, for weeks at a minimum. In fact, in verse 6, we notice there, Jeremiah didn't just make one trip to the Euphrates. No, many days later after he had buried the loincloth as God had said to, many days after that, God then told him, I want you to go back to the Euphrates River, which means Jeremiah would have had to have made two really long trips over there. And so maybe he didn't really do that. 
Well, I believe he did do that. I believe Jeremiah, Jeremiah actually made that long trip twice. Think about it. God's always done that with the prophets. God told Hosea to marry a prostitute. Guess what? He did. God told Ezekiel to eat a scroll. Guess what? He did. And I believe that Jeremiah likewise, he did exactly as God instructed. He traveled all the way to the Euphrates River, which means he was gone for a long time. And I think that would have caused the locals, it would have caused some of the people to say, Hey, Jeremiah, where have you been? And notice you've been gone for a long time. Where'd you go? What have you been doing for all these weeks? That long absence would just naturally generate some interest so that when Jeremiah did return with that soiled loincloth, he could say, This is why I've been gone. God wanted me to take this and bury this dirty loincloth by the Euphrates River and I went back and I fetched it and look at it now. Look at it. It's spoiled. It's ruined. Verse 7, it's good for nothing. And that is the message from God through the prophet to the people of Judah. That you are like this spoiled, rotten, ruined, disgusting underwear in the eyes of the Lord. You are good for nothing. Now it might be at this point that you're probably thinking to yourself, man, that's, that's really harsh. And on top of that, the illustration is really gross. So what exactly is the reason for all of this? Why is God having Jeremiah to do this? Well, the answer to that begins in verse 8. Would you look at verse 8 again? Then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, Even so will I spoil the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. Do you see here? This is about pride. It's about people who had become full of themselves. It's about, verse 10, people who stubbornly follow their own heart and have gone after other gods. These were people who had reached a point where they thought that they knew better than God. That's how prideful these people were. And as a result, as a result, secondly, they stopped listening to God. Look again at verse 10. This evil people who refuse to hear my word. In fact, maybe the key note for the entire book of Jeremiah is we won't listen. In fact, just as a good exercise sometime, the next time you're reading Jeremiah, just underline every place in the book where it says that the people did not listen. They didn't listen to Jeremiah. They didn't listen to any of the other prophets of the time. They didn't listen to the written Word of God. Their pride had got stuck in their ear canals and it was preventing them from truly hearing what the Lord had to say. Which really leads to the ultimate problem for the people in Judah. Look at verse 11. Here's where it all comes to a crashing halt. Verse 11, For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people a name, a praise, and a glory. But they would not listen. Can you see from verse 11 
that God's people had a purpose and they were refusing that purpose. God had redeemed these Israelites for a specific purpose and what was it? Was their purpose to just do as they pleased? To live how they wanted to live? To serve any gods that they chose to serve? No! No, they had been redeemed, verse 11, to be God's people. To extend into all the earth the name of God. To bring praise and to bring glory to God. These people had a purpose and they utterly refused to fulfill it. And so just like a pair of ruined underwear that isn't fulfilling its purpose, God says, I'm going to do with you people what anyone would do with a pair of ruined underwear. I'm going to throw you away. That's what God says He's going to do. In fact, when you skip on down to the last half of chapter 13, God makes that even more explicit. He says, I'm going to throw you away... I'm going to throw you away into Babylonian captivity. That's what I'm going to do. Just as that loincloth, it went down to the Euphrates, you're going down to the Euphrates. You have become good for nothing. You know, there's just not anything quite like this object lesson in Jeremiah 13. Anywhere in the Bible is there. That is a powerful illustration and it is a powerful message. Maybe the reason that we don't hear sermons on this passage, I don't know if you've maybe even heard a sermon in your entire life from Jeremiah chapter 13, but maybe the reason we don't preach on this is because, well, the preacher's not supposed to say underwear in the pulpit. But God said it. God put it in His book for all time, which means... There's something we're supposed to learn from it. And I do want us to learn from this. In fact, I want to keep it really simple tonight because I believe the original message to Judah was intended to be simple and straightforward. I believe Jeremiah's illustration with the loincloth, it sets before us two simple choices, two simple paths. And the first of those has to do with our relationship to God. You know, after I got past my initial squeamishness about God using a loincloth as kind of the focal point of this this sermon and of this illustration, I came to realize that God chose that very intentionally. God chose that for a reason. I want you to notice that God did not have Jeremiah to do this illustration with a hat. Furthermore, God did not have Jeremiah to do this illustration with a pair of sandals or any other article of clothing. Instead, God deliberately chose something that denoted closeness, nearness, something that was intimate. And frankly, it doesn't get any closer, any nearer, any more intimate than a loincloth. And that is exactly what the Lord was going for. The Lord is illustrating His desire for His people to cling to Him. In fact, do you see that word cling as it's used there in verse 11? That is the same Hebrew word that is used all throughout the Old Testament to describe the very closest of relationships. And the very first time that it's used is in Genesis chapter 2 where the Bible says that a man shall leave father and mother 
and he shall then cling to his wife. Maybe your Bible says cleave. It's the exact same word. To cleave and to cling to his wife and become one flesh. Do you see now why Jeremiah was told to go and buy a loincloth and not a hat? That's because God wants to be closely connected with us. Listen to me. God does not want to be your business partner. God does not want to be your passing acquaintance. God does not want to be your Facebook friend who you kind of sort of know but you don't really know. No, God wants you to cling to Him. Tightly cling to Him. In fact, can I really push you a little bit harder with this? Isn't this right here, isn't this the remedy for churchianity? God is not interested in having a relationship with you just one day out of the week. You know, Jeremiah was not told to go and buy himself a brand new Sabbath suit that he would wear one day of the week whenever he assembled at the temple to worship the Lord. No. No, God wants to be in relationship with you constantly, daily, hourly, minutely, secondly. God wants you to know Him and trust Him and love Him and share this life with Him every second of every day through the highs and through the lows. No matter what this life brings, no matter what storms may come, God wants you to cling to Him tightly. And as I'm reading Jeremiah chapter 13, that's what I need to be thinking about. I need to be asking myself, what is the state of my relationship with God? Maybe it's possible, maybe to me, God is nothing more than, than a hat. Maybe God to me is he's like a watch. You know, it's something that you wear for, well, you wear it for a good majority of the day, but... But well, it's something you can always kind of keep at a distance, don't you know? Or you know what? Maybe God to me is hes kind of like a raincoat. I mean, yeah, we, we pull that out and we put it on when there's an emergency, whenever there's a storm, but yeah, we really don't wear it all that often. What's your relationship like with your Father? How intimately connected are you to the Lord? And if you find, after doing some of that examining, if you find that you don't have as close of a relationship with God as you ought to have, then could it be, could it be that maybe it's some of those same things, those same issues that kept Judah from being close to God? Maybe that's what's plaguing your relationship with the Lord. Is it possible, number one, that you need to dr drop your pride, that you need to humble yourself, I'll tell you what will help with that. Prayer will really help with that. Furthermore, are you having trouble with really listening and hearing the Lord? Then maybe what you need to do, brother or sister, is you need to give more earnest attention to the Word of God, to read it more diligently, to listen to it more intently. It may be that the problem is, is you're just not being obedient so that you can fulfill your purpose of bringing glory and praise to God's great name. I will submit to you that those kinds of ideas, those are the attitudes and the actions that help us not only to, 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 to grow, but also to develop and to thrive in our relationship with the Lord. And if these kinds of things, if they are not present, and if they're not continually being nurtured and fed, then we're never going to know what it means to 
cling to the Lord. And the fact of the matter is, is if we don't have that relationship with God, then that means we're really no better than the people in Jeremiah the 13th chapter. What it means ultimately is it means that we are good for nothing. That's really hard for me to say. But isn't that the message of the ruined loincloth? You know, imagine if I had bought a a planter, a big pot full of soil and packed all that in there and I, I did bring that up here to the pulpit. And imagine if I did, right in the middle of the lesson, I really did dig in there and I pulled out a pair of months old, dirty, stinky, rotten, spoiled, fruit of the loom boxers and I held them up and I said, Hey, who wants these? Who's going to raise their hand? Who's going to say, Oh yeah, I want those. Nobody's going to want those. You couldn't sell that at a garage sale. And you know what? You can sell anything at a garage sale. But you can't sell dirty underwear. Have you seen the meme? I saw it on a t-shirt recently that says, I know I'm special because God don't make no junk. And you know what? That's exactly right. God doesn't make any junk at all. But you know what else? I can make myself junk. I can. I can make myself useless. I can cause myself to be spoiled and to be ruined by refusing to pursue a real relationship with God. The very thing that I was created for. By persisting in my pride, by rejecting His Word, I can plunge myself into sin and to selfishness and instead of bringing glory to His name, I'm all about doing what I want to do and that, that makes me good for nothing. As good for nothing as a pair of dirty underwear. What a waste. In fact, maybe you even thought that as you were reading Jeremiah chapter 13. What a waste to go buy a brand new pair of linen loincloths and then to go bury that in the dirt and in the mud. Yeah, it's kind of like what a waste it is to be given life and breath and health and physical blessings and opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be brought into a covenant relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ only to refuse or to delay time and time again. What a waste that is. I don't know about you, but I sure would hate to go through life knowing that I was as useless as a pair of dirty underwear because I didn't fulfill my purpose of being in relationship with my Creator. You know, it is amazing to me that God would even want to be in relationship with us. I mean, who are we? We are mortal, weak, fragile, sinful creatures. It's amazing that God would even want to have anything to do with us. Or furthermore, that God would go through all of the effort throughout all of time to make a way for us to know Him 
and to understand His will and to be able to draw near to Him and yes, to even be useful to Him. But what's even more astounding is that anyone would reject that opportunity. The people in Jeremiah 13, they rejected it. The question is, will you? What will you do with the God who wants you to cling to Him? Let's pray about that. Would you pray with me please? Our dear gracious God and our Father in heaven, Father, we come before you now awed and amazed that you would want to have a relationship with us. Father, open up our eyes to see just how amazing that truly is. Father, help us to nourish and to deepen and to strengthen our relationship with you that we might indeed cling closely to you and fulfill the very purpose that you have made for us here on this earth. Father, we thank you for this strange object lesson that your servant Jeremiah performed so long ago. and We're thankful that it challenges us to be more humble, to be more attentive to your word, and to be more obedient to how you would have us to live. Father, we are praying for those who have yet to forge that relationship with you. We pray for those as well who have allowed that relationship to become distant and to grow cold. Father, we're praying that your patience and your long-suffering will continue for a little while longer so that they might have sufficient time to turn to you and to find forgiveness. Father, we thank you most of all for your Son whose precious blood makes it possible for us to be reconciled and to have that relationship with you. And it is in His holy name that we offer this prayer. And amen.